0: Welcome to Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe, whatever you're listening on. I'm Mike Byron's creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King. Ball State athlete Paul Havocott from Steelers Nation South, Rob LaCofflin. Tonight's debate is going to be the greatest men's figure skater. Uh, we have the greatest women's greatest pair skaters in the archives. Check them out. And perfect for our topic tonight, our special guest, he is hes a men's figure skater. He's not just a men's figure skater. hes He's one of the GOATs. Uh, he's, His medal room has a gold, three silvers, two bronze through the juniors and world championships. He's known for his incredible jumping ability. This guy put quads on the map, basically, and it made him one of the, the best during the early 2000s. So we have a U.S. Olympic bronze medalist, Timothy Gable here. Tim, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun.
0: Awesome. So we'll have our Q&A as always after, and we'll jump right into this. Start with Paul.
2: Okay, I went with Evan Lysacek, born June 4th, 85, uh, about a half hour from Tim, I guess, maybe a half hour, hour. He's from Chicago, Illinois. Evan's retired figure skater. Is 2010 Olympic champion, winning gold in Vancouver uh, in the men's singles. These are all, I guess, all his medals are in men's singles. 2009 world champion in LA, winning gold. Two-time uh, Four Continents champion in 05, 07. Took silver in 09 by the way, on that one, won gold in 09 Grand Prix Final and was a two-time U.S. Uh, national champion in 2007, 2008. Uh, Evan was the 2010 United States Olympics Committee Sportsman of the Year and winner of the James E. Sullivan Award as a top U.S. amateur athlete of 2010. And on uh, January 22, 2016, he ended up being inducted into the U.S. Figure Skating Hall of Fame. You only hear too much about Evan. Um, Kind of looked up some reasons why, and, and Reddit's got a bunch of them on there. None of them really great, but uh, a lot of people. <laughs> think the uh, consensus is, oh, you know, man. he's not. I'll, I'll, we'll maybe we'll get Tim's take on some of this, uh, but uh, the consensus is, is he wasn't flashy enough? Maybe a little boring. Uh, maybe when he walked <laughs> away, he walked away for good. I think he's doing real estate or something like that. He was on season ten of Dancing with the Stars. A place in second with his uh partner Anna, Anna, whenever you say her name, but uh, yeah, overall, it kind of flew under the radar. He's got good amount of medals, a lot of bronze medals, I didn't cover, but good amount of gold medals. So that's Evan, he's kind of the underdog here in this one.
0: Cool, Tim. So we, go ahead, yeah, we, we've all heard rumors. To
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, he Evan really did kind of exit quickly and with no sort of much fanfare at all. And to be honest, like he's kind of off the radar in, in the figure skating community. Um, I'm not much onto social media and that, so I don't know what the Reddit comments are, but um, Evan was the beneficiary of an interesting framework within the rules where coming out of 2000, six and then into the next Olympic quad, they started to decrease the value of quadruple jumps because what was happening is that you got a certain base value for attempting a quad. And if you made a, a relatively decent attempt, even if you crashed and burned, people were getting a ton of points. So you theoretically could go out there and try, I don't know, six quads, and you would have this massive score on the technical side and it became a bit comical. Like you'd see people out there like at worlds crashing and burning three, four times in a long program. And so the ISU, our international governing body, the International Skating Union, then wanted to kind of remove the incentive of trying things you couldn't really execute with a high degree of certainty. And so they overcorrected. And so they they made it um, very, very risky and very punitive if you attempted a quad and you didn't oh. execute it well. And so it was almost a disincentive at that it, during, I, I think it was like a two-year two, two year range, like plus minus Olympics in that timeframe, because um, it just... Like, there were too many people that were doing really messy programs. And so they the ISU kind of overcorrected. They made it punitive if you made a mistake. And so it devalued um, basically attempting quads. And so what happened is that by playing it safe, he actually was able to accrue more points than if he would have attempted anything difficult and... Um, it, you know, attempted anything difficult and had, like, even a minor mistake. And so the I, I know, for example, the Russian Federation was very upset because they felt that Evgeny Plushenko, who was the silver medalist, should have won because, and to, to their point, and this is a very fair point, doing a long program with a quadruple jump is a very different program than doing a long program without a quadruple jump. It's significantly easier, not just physically, but mentally, because you know that by taking on more risk, there is a much greater chance of something going wrong. So he kind of benefited from just a strange sort of constellation of rule changes that was, um, you know, many would argue unfairly advantaged someone that skates like Evan, who's more fluid, had you know, arguably better choreography, was a little more finessed than someone who was a real powerhouse like Plushenko, who was doing the harder jumps. albeit he looked a little more rough, a little bit more sort of um, less refined. And so there were many people then and still today that don't really think he should have won. So... Yeah, and people are very, like, people in the skating community don't hold back feedback. And, like, I know for a fact people told him to his face, you didn't deserve to be Olympic champion. <laughs> so oh, I'm harsh. not surprised that's that he, harsh. like, <laughs> dipped out, you know, after a while. I'd be, too. I'd be, like, all right, like, cool. No, I've seen anymore. right you know. Wait, you mentioned Plushenko a couple
0: times. Let's move on to him. Go ahead, Rallo.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: uh, go ahead, Rallo. Yep.
3: Uh so got Evgeny Plashenko, uh from Russia, got introduced to skating at the young age of four. But as when he was eleven, it's when he's his his world changed, where he got uh introduced to Alexei Michon, who also trained uh, Olympic champs Alexei Ermanov and um his eventual rival Alexei Yugoden. Uh it would take Plashenko long to show how great he was on the ice becoming the young the youngest ever world junior champ and world medalist at the age of 14 in 1997. He would follow that with a bronze medal at the 98 World Championships. And in the 2000-2001 season, he won every event he entered, including his first world title. In the 2000, in 2002 at the Salt Lake Games, he would finish second to his rival, Yagudin, um, but you know that was it was, it was a difficult program uh for the next 4 years he would finish first or second in every single event he entered including the 2006 Olympic games in Turin uh where he set world records in the free skate and short program he took a bra- took a break for a couple years returning in 2009 and placed first or second in 10 of his 12 events entered from 2009 to 2014 and that includes another gold medal <clears throat> at the um the team event, which gave him four medals in the Olympics, which tied Gillis Graf's Gillis Grafstrom's record. He's a four-time Olympic medalist, three-time world champion, seven-time European champion, four-time Grand Prix champion. He's credited with sixteen gold medals, eight silvers, and two bronzes. Genny Plushenko.
1: <clears throat> Go ahead, Tim. So he he for me wins it for longevity I mean I think he he for men's singles for our kind of generation of doing quads like he survived longer than any of us. the fact that he came back as many times as he did after sustaining as many injuries as he did was like incredibly impressive um, I think he had some help on some of those championships I think. Many would, many in the skating community would argue that he was maybe overscored a little bit on the artistic side in his later years. Um, But man, his ability to deliver under pressure for over a decade is really commendable and really impressive. Um, And he, he, he evolved, like the system that we competed at in the 2002 olympics and then the system that he competed under for his subsequent olympic games were significantly different it was a different approach to how you construct a program and and frankly how you train and compete um and he was one of the only i would argue the only person from our generation that in in singles that that was able to evolve because like I dropped out sir he's dropped out michelle dropped out yaguden obviously retired um but when you think about the podium from salt lake city and the podium from um torino and then into vancouver like my cohort my peer group we all kind of dipped out i mean i didn't even survive through 06 and then for him to make that that kind of it's a it, it's a, it's a pretty big evolution in like how the programs were constructed. Um, and I don't think people maybe that didn't go through it can really sort of appreciate how difficult that was because you just, the whole, the whole framework of how you structured a long program changed significantly. And you're like, oh, now I have to think about spins because those are worth points where it used to be just kind of a filler element and like footwork, it took a lot more time in it actually involved points where again before it was a filler element and so you had all of these things and you're going through in your mind and you're like especially when you make mistake you're like oh i lost 14 points on that crap <laughs> like the next thing has to be really really good and so he he was able to kind of make that evolution better than his beer group um, which was again impressive
0: so we're gonna move on to our, our youngest skater today he's only 24 years old Nathan Chen, I'm representing Nathan, and uh, he has collected in his short career here, 10 golds, three silvers, four bronze, very impressive, but I want to jump right to the 2022 Beijing Olympics, Chen leads Team USA to a silver medal with a new personal best on the short program of 111.71. Um this team medal may still become a gold. We don't know because I, I believe the Russian doping scandal is the end of this week. The, I think the twenty September twenty sixth, I believe. So it may turn into a gold. We don't know. Um, and that that'll give him eleven golds. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But now in the men's competition, Chen sets the world record in the short program with one thirteen point nine seven score, which is more than two points over. And, you know, if you know figure skating, that's a lot of points. (laughs) It's not just like – I'd say that's winning by like maybe three touchdowns in a football game. So um, the previous record was actually held by uh, Brian's gentleman who he'll represent here in a minute. Uh, So Chen wins the gold with a combined score that it was 332.60, and that is incredible skate, dominating. He had five quad jumps during that Olympics that he was doing in his uh, individual stuff. Um, so Chen, he has broken seven world records, and he has been known to skate what I guess the casual fan would call, let's say, some fun music, um, that you know, as opposed to the more traditional music. He Some of these songs, check this out. The theme song to Rawhide, Kung Fu Panda, Wally, a Michael Jackson medley, uh, home by Philip Phillips for all you American Idol fans out there, and, and many more. Um, He's a smooth, error-free skater, and he also he gets it. He realizes he is an entertainer as well. And you know, some some skaters they don't they don't understand that part of it. I think, um, and 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 he gets it. You can watch it, and you can totally enjoy it. I don't know how he'll come back uh, for the next Olympics. We'll see because he he did drop out of the World Championships after winning that gold uh, at twenty twenty two. So we'll see what happens. Um, but Tim, your your thoughts on Nathan Chen?
1: So for me, up until now, I, bold statement, but a- absolutely greatest of all time. I mean, absolutely incredible athlete, without question revolutionized the sport. I mean, he took the incremental gains that I pushed in, in terms of doing quad jumps and, like, took that exponentially higher. Uh, he, he's, he's without peer. Like, nobody technically can match what he delivered at the Olympics. People have attempted it, but no one has come anywhere close. Um, And on top of that, which is even more mind blowing is he's going to school full time and doing well. Like not only is he a phenomenal athlete, but he's incredibly intelligent individual. Um, And the best thing about Nathan, and I think anyone that knows him from the skating world or even beyond would tell you this, um, the entertainment and sport world more broadly. He is incredibly humble and incredibly gracious. And it's really refreshing to have somebody that really like he is the real deal. He is every, he is a great ambassador for the sport. He is a great ambassador for us figure skating. He is intelligent. He is easy to work with. He's just absolutely for me um it would probably like i mean he, i would compare him to someone like a simone biles or a michael phelps who just like really oh, wow. transcends excellence in just figure skating but transcends excellence in sport like his contributions and his records i i think it would be hard pressed for somebody to be as dominant um, for as long as he was in in figure skating today I like I think his the the span of what he accomplished between the 2018 and 22 games I would suspect will go unrivaled for quite some time
0: you expect him to come back for the next Olympics
1: you know he could, he really could. I think as long as he doesn't experience any significant injury, and and being that he's not competing full time, I I don't suspect that would happen. Um, he obviously mentally is a great competitor. He like nobody in figure skating had more pressure going into the last Olympics than he did. Everyone is expecting him not only to win but to dominate. And he did just that. Like there was not even a wrinkle. And so mentally he's proven that he is tough. He is resilient. He is adaptable. Uh, you know, all of the things that he, he would need to, to make a successful comeback. Do I think he will? I. It's tough to say. I mean, four years is a long time. And taking even two years out of a competition cycle is like coming back is, I would imagine, different. I've never done it, but I've I've heard from a lot of peers that have, you know, taken a break and returned to competition that it, it, it feels different. It's not quite the same, not necessarily better or not necessarily worse, but different. So do I think he has the capability to come back and be incredibly successful? 100%. Do I think he will? Who knows? He might, like... By that point, he will have graduated from where is he? Yale, I think he's at Yale. I, yeah, I a Yale So, or I, so like, who, by the he he might be pursuing a PhD at that point. Who knows what's on tap for him? But whatever he does, he approaches it with a great mindset. And whatever he's, you know, whatever he chooses to pursue, I'm certain he'll be successful at it.
0: Well, Brian, are you there? or Did we lose you?
4: Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. got a uh, uh, Yuzuru uh, Hanyu. Um, Hanyu was born uh, in uh, Sundai, Miyagi, Miyagi uh, Japan. Uh, and this guy was born to skate. Uh, at just the age of 15, he was able to win gold at the uh, Junior Grand Prix Finals in Tokyo. And his career really took off from there. Uh, Hanyu won gold at the World Junior Championships a year later. And then just really stacked up the medals with uh, four golds and two silvers at the Grand Prix Finals, a gold and three silvers at the Four Continents, two golds, three silvers, two bronzes at the World Championships. And then, of course, those two amazing performances for gold at the Olympics. Um, In the ISU world standings, he was number one for five consecutive years from, uh, from 2013 to 2018, And he was ranked in the top four for virtually the entire decade of the 2010s. Uh, Getting back to his Olympic success, it was historic. I mean, no figure skater had won the gold in back-to-back Olympic Games since 1952. But Hanyu was able to achieve that in 2018. Uh, Some more firsts for Hanyu. He was the first skater to earn over 100 points in the men's short program, over 200 points in the men's free skate, and over 300 points in the men's competition. Uh, and he was the first Asian men's single skater to win the Olympic gold. And when he won the gold in 2014, he it was at age 19, making him the youngest male skater to achieve that feat in over 60 years. Uh, and he was the first to win what's called the Super Slam, winning gold at all the major competitions in both his junior and senior careers. So Hanyu, he is, he is just beloved worldwide, uh, and in spe- especially in his native country of Japan, the Japanese prime minister issued Hanyu the People's Honor award, award, making him the youngest recipient ever. And he thanked Hanyu for, quote, giving dreams and thrills to the people and hope and courage to society. Astonishingly accomplished on the ice and beloved around the world. That's Yuzuru Hanyu.
1: So he I keep forgetting I shouldn't say I keep forgetting. I, I, I forget frequently that he was a back-to back Olympic champion and that is that is, again, like speaks to his longevity, his ingenuity, his ability to to hang in there. He and then he went on and competed in, in the in the most recent Olympics as well. Um, he is another incredible athlete um and not not only a great athlete but a great artist he um trained under brian orser who's someone i really enjoy both as an athlete and as as a coach um yeah he's another one like incredibly impressive um and and similar to to a few of my comments about nathan chen very well liked very well respected known as being very easy to work with and humble um he i the thing i like about him is he is a, he has a very quirky personality like he seems like he would be a lot of fun to go and like be on tour with and just like he is definitely has a very unique point of view both like with his skating and like on the world uh i was not as kind of diligent in following his rise as I was with Nathan Chen. But yes, again, incredibly, incredibly impressive athlete, great representative of the sport. Um, And he was another one too that really, after this sort of um, weirdness around quadruple jumps around the Vancouver Olympics, he went in when they kind of corrected the point values And really got back to pushing the technical side. He was trying quads that people were not really attempting or landing at all, even in practice. Um, So he, again, was another person that kind of pushed the sport to that next plateau, which ultimately, at some level, probably was an inspiration to Nathan to how you know to give him kind of the the nudge to pursue of what we call a full list of quads so he was doing nathan was doing a quad from each takeoff um except for axel which of course has now happened but that's a whole nother whole nother ball game uh but nathan you know hanyu and, and and nathan were great kind of contemporaries because they continued a trajectory of Improvement and innovation in the sport, not just on the technical side, but on the artistic side. Hanyu was kind of the first to incorporate the two in a really elegant way to like do the really hard stuff, but also have an interesting program and a thought and a concept and kind of bring people in more. Um, And then Nathan, I think, in a way, just kind of took that to the next level.
0: let's move into our vote tonight, guys. Cannot pick your own. Uh, I'm going to vote first. I hardly ever vote first. I'm going to take Plushenko, and and my reasoning is kind of easy. Is that's who I grew up watching. That, that that he was the guy when you know I was in that prime watching age, and and Tim, you were right there, right there too as well behind him. So uh, yeah, I'm taking Plushenko,
2: Paul. Um, that's a terrible reason, but uh, <laughs> I would say being a distant observer of the sport, it seems like it's between Hamu and Chen. And I think Tim kind of talked me into Chen. I mean, anybody who can go to Yale and competitively figure skate and already get a bunch of medals and and also affect the sport like he has with being different, daring to be different, I think I would go with Chen.
3: Rallo? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Chen, like uh, like you mentioned before. Like he's in that Simone Biles category, you know, like during the Beijing Olympics, he was – his his programs were prime time television. Like they, they made sure you knew he had the America had eyes on Nathan Chen and just to see his rise and how well he performed. Got to go with him. <clears throat>
0: he, he did it with no audience too at the Olympics. So that's got to affect you a little bit,
4: yeah. Brian. You know, I mean, I, 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 Mike, I thought you had a, you, you know, you had built a good case, and then Tim just put me over the top and sold me on Chen. I mean, this this guy is uh, is amazing and you a know, uh, generational talent.
0: Tim, you, you taking Chen as well or somebody else?
4: I'm taking Chen.
1: It's
0: Chen. Chen's right. my guy. So a win for Nathan Chen tonight, which means a win for me. So I get first question here in our, our Q&A. So uh, let's see. 2000. Let's go to 2003. Your your injuries have been piling up. How did it affect your jumping ability? And what kept you going another three years?
1: Uh, so the injuries really, really impacted my... My not so much my ability to jump, but my ability to develop the consistency. Like I was not really able to train effectively. Uh going into world championships in 2003 was a total crapshoot. Like it ended up having a really good result. I could have ended up not qualifying after the short. Like it was it was a completely binary outcome. It was either going to be really good or really awful. Um, and as an athlete, that's a terrible terrible feeling to go in ah uh, gosh what kept me going is I didn't I didn't feel like I was ready to stop competing and knowing that my body was falling apart I was willing to continue to push through that being said come like I would say August September of 2005 mentally I was not able to kind of make that commitment anymore the only reason that i went to and and i continue to train full-time the only reason i went to olympic qualifiers um to that national championships in 06 is that i was hoping to have one more of those miracle skates in the tank like i did in dc um clearly i didn't but i think like late 2005 the writing was on the wall that like even though mentally I wasn't done, my body was, my, my body was very much done. My body was very angry with me. And like, no joke, I was maybe able to skate three days a week. Like I, I had an acupuncturist coming to the rink to treat me every day before I would train. It it was not a, not a good scene for me. And, and my coaches and my, my physios and whatever, they were troopers. They're like, they're like, no, no, you'll be okay. And I'm like, no, probably not. And they're like, yeah, probably not. Um, but everyone stuck by me. My, my team stuck by me through to the bitter end. And part of it was just like, I don't want to not go to nationals and not go to Olympic trials and look back and say, what if? Um, knowing full well that it was probably going to be kind of crappy. And it was. Paul Brian Rallo.
2: Yeah, my question is sort of just about the just unbelievable amounts of stress that you have to manage. I mean, you've got, as I've gotten older, I look at Olympians and you, so you know when your event is, you know when you're going to compete. So you have four years and you have this date in your mind. What was your method of sort of managing the stress and pressure? Because if I look at it through my prism, everything I would do all day long, I would just have this thing looming over me that in 300 days, you know, the countdown beginning to when you're going to perform. And really, that's what it all depends on. You've worked so hard to get to that date. How did you manage all that and, and keep your stress in check and all the pressure in check?
1: So with with a sport like figure skating, with a sport like gymnastics, not knowing quite as much, but similar with the sport um, like diving, where you're learning multiple very intricate skill sets, it's it's about just building on top of the foundation. And with with something like skating, um, and I would assume the other sports as well, like you have a very clear framework, not just of the Olympics or the Olympic trials, but of all the kind of intermediate steps that you need to get to. And so the focus is on preparing um, and the preparation for those intermediate steps. And so for, like, for the Olympics, for example, like, you know that you can't just have a bang out year, the year of Olympics and show up at the Olympics and get a medal. Like, that's, in our sport, that's not a thing. And so, you know, going in, like, you have to build a reputation. You have to build sort of a, it's a bit different now with the code of points. Totally different story. But in my day, it was like you built, you knew you had to be, on the radar two or three years before. You knew you had to be in the top five, maybe top six at a world championships the year before. Like you had to really build your resume and build your credibility and show consistency. And so it wasn't like, um, you know, after the world championships in 98 that I'm going, okay, Salt Lake City is happening. It's the week of February 14th in 2002 and I have to work to that date. It was all of these kind of incremental things that you know you need to achieve to kind of even get a ticket in the race to like really be considered to be on the Olympic team. And so in a way that makes it easier because you're focused not on like the end goal of like, like, yes, it's in the back of your mind, but there are so many things that you need to achieve in the interim. It's like, okay, the next thing I need to achieve is this. And then, okay, that's done. Okay. You know, made the world team in '99 for the first time. Okay, check. Made the top ten at Worlds two years later. Check. Leading into the Olympic season, fourth at Worlds. Check. And so I had like built all those things. I ended up being third at the at the um, the Grand Prix in. December-ish of 2001. So it was like, okay, I have proven that I am now the top American on the international scene, check. Going into nationals, like, I need to be in the top three, check. And so it's like you build. And so this, at least for me, and I've talked to other athletes that, that have had a similar kind of experience. Like for me, the goal was to get on the Olympic team. And like, once I was on that Olympic team, And once I completed my short program, like that, that goal was done. And so competing at the Olympics for me was almost easier than qualifying because I already got, I had already earned my ticket to the race. And I knew that if I delivered that I had a very, very reasonable chance of getting a medal. And so Olympics is almost... It's this weird thing where it's like, in a way it's almost easier because you've already done the thing that you've worked your entire life for. Like you're an Olympian and that's most people's goal. And obviously everyone wants to go and win a medal, but like once you, I mean, in, in a way, like once you walk in on opening ceremonies, like you got the thing, you did the thing that you want to do. And then everything else on that is just literally a reflection of the work that you've put in and being healthy at the right time. Like, it, it just, a lot of it is just timing based. So it's not, even though it's the biggest thing in sport, it, the mindset is different because you've had to jump through, you know, you've had to jump over all these hurdles to get there.
4: Well, Tim, your first major international competition came in late 1996 in Seoul, Korea at the World Junior Championships. You were only 17 years old, I believe, um, and you were able to come away with the the silver medal. So what was the feeling like after that? Was that like the huge confidence boost that, that you felt, you know, or, or did you sort of feel like you still had things to work on? Uh, how did you come away from that particular experience?
1: So for my cohort at that time, being a, being a junior world medalist really kind of established you as a you know as a future i don't know for lack of a better term as a future leader of this sport as someone that had the ability to go on you know you've kind of tapped out at the junior level and at least for for my cohort like if you were on the podium at junior worlds you could easily go on and med- and, and be in the top 10 at worlds like there was a there was a pretty kind of minimal separation between the two between like the person that won junior worlds being in the top six at a senior worlds was not out of the realm of possibility. And so it really kind of established you as, as a contender, as a threat, as a future sort of leader in the sport. And so yeah, it very much felt like a, like a bit of a validation. And it was a, it was a great confidence boost. It's like, okay, like there was a lot riding on that title and like, I held it together and I excelled. And so cool, like what's next? What can I do next? Um, and that was really kind of when I, when I geared into working on the quads like really, really hard because I'm like, all right, now I need something to separate myself. Now I need to be not in the same tier as my peer group, but what can I do to excel? Um, and I literally went home and started working on quads that week. I was like, okay, I can do a triple Axel. Done. check. Like now, like what's the next thing? What's the next thing that I need to do to prove that like being on the podium at Junior Worlds was a starting point,
3: not a highlight. Kim, you've been involved with the um, figure skating in Harlem, um, which yeah. is not Harlem is not typically synonymous with skating. Um, <laughs> What made you want to get involved with that that that, uh, that uh, program? And are you still part of it today?
1: <clears throat> so yes, I'm still an active member. Uh, my husband and I are active donors. We're big supporters of the program. I have been involved since almost its inception. And the cool thing about figure skating in Harlem is that it really is an education program wrapped in sport. The purpose of FSH is not to develop the next national or world or Olympic champion. It is about using the sport of figure skating to teach life skills and to provide access to underage youth to things and people and experiences that they wouldn't encounter in their daily life. Um, So like, I mean, even if you think about the board of figure skating in Harlem, it's like, you know, leaders in fashion, People from investment banking, people from corporate America that, you know, either run or have run Fortune 500 companies. And so it's showing these young women that through hard work and discipline and education, that they can achieve things that they just don't see. And like one of the taglines that we frequently use when talking about FSH is that it's not about aptitude it's about access but when they can see when these young people can see opportunities beyond what they experience in their day-to-day lives it opens their it opens their world and then they're instead of setting the bar here they're setting the bar 15 steps higher and it's like they they see that like they also see that it's not a linear progression like i was involved in the program before I'd ever made a world, well, actually, no, the the year that I made the world team. Um, But then they, and then they saw me earn a medal and then they saw me not make the team. And so it's like, and then they saw me pivot and go to Columbia, which when I was going to Columbia University, it's about 20 blocks from where the figure skating and Harlem athletes train. And so I would volunteer one day a week and I would train with them. Um, And so they see that like, just because you don't necessarily achieve all of your goals in sport or in academics like that doesn't limit you you can pivot and you can move on to something else and you can reinvent yourself Um, as many of their of their um you know peers have from fsh but as many of the volunteers board members and people from the skating community have as well that they've kind of come to know and and be mentored by and and learn from and so it's the best part about it is like yes it's a sports program but it's really not it's more about education and personal development and giving people a framework of you know core life skills that they can use in whatever they choose to pursue so it's, it's an awesome organization can't can't say enough positive things about it but yeah i'm coming up on 20 two years of involvement, something like that, which is amazing because I'm only 29.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much Kidding. for joining us, Tim, today. A U.S. Olympian. We, we love our Olympians and our Olympic shows. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, i to remind everybody, make sure you hit like, subscribe, notification buttons. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for watching.